0: in the book of Revelation. In the study I titled it, The Revelation of Jesus Christ because that's what the book of Revelation is about. It's, it's not for us to focus on future events necessarily and, and the mysteries that that book holds, but it's for us to get a fresh glimpse of the glory, the majesty, the greatness of Jesus Christ. And so as we continue today, I want us to continue with that stance in our hearts. Lord, just give us a greater revelation of You than we've ever had before. Just like John, who we noted last week, fell before Jesus. He was prostrate before Him. He was overwhelmed by the presence of Jesus. It had been over 60 years since John had seen Jesus and now, he sees Him in all of His glory, and His majesty, all of His greatness, and he's just overwhelmed. And that's my prayer today, that we would have a fresh revelation of Jesus in all of His glory. Well, today I want to talk to you about a subject that's a little different. It's, I want us to look at uh, chapter 2 and chapter 3 today in Revelation. And I want to talk to you about how the enemy tries to stop the church. The enemy has always tried to stop God's people. He's always tried to stop the church. He tries to hinder us in any way that he can. He doesn't want us to fulfill the mission and the plan that God has for us as individuals. Jesus told us to go and to make disciples. And the enemy is going to do everything he can to stop us or to hinder us or if he can destroy the church. In my life, I've seen the church devastated many times. I've seen friends that went into the ministry young in their lives like I did and, and soon just couldn't take the, the attacks of the enemy and, and the things that took place in the church and they, they left pastoring. And church, I want you to join with me today and make a declaration to the enemy. He is not going to hinder our church. And by the church, I mean you, because you are the church. He is not going to hinder you in this day. We are going to make disciples. We are going to love people. We're going to share the love and the life of Jesus Christ, no matter what's taking place around us. Can you say amen to that? I want you to read with me in chapter 2. Let's look at verses 1-7 through to begin with. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write these things. Says he who holds the seven stars in his hand in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands I know your works, your labor your patience and that you cannot bear those who are evil and you have Tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Nevertheless, I have this against you that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. We're not going to do a detailed, in-depth study of every church today. But I want to kind of skim through, and I want us to see the points that the enemy will try to attack the church, that he will come and try to, to hinder us however he can by tempting us with the flesh or by just outright attacks of the enemy or confusion. He tries various different ways to come against us and hinder us But church, I love the fact that Jesus has called us to be overcomers. And we are overcomers in Him. He who believes in Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is an overcomer. And Jesus is talking about those overcomers who won't be satisfied with all these attacks of the enemy, but we're going to confront them because Jesus has called us to confront them. So we're going to confront them with all the strength that we have, with everything that God gives us. We're going to take a stance against these things and not see the enemy win. Now as we look at the seven churches listed here, there's a pattern that we see. First, each one is addressed to the angel of the church in a community in ancient Asia Minor. And the Greek word here, angelos, means messenger. It also means angel. And angels are messengers of God. But so are people. And I, I want us to note here that when it's talking about writing to the angels of the churches, it appears to be writing to the pastors, and the messengers, the leaders, the, the pastor of the church. And and so it's okay with me if you want to tell everybody that you have an angel for a pastor. That's okay. Seriously, there are several other things that we see. Second, the letter of Revelation is some something. It reveals something of the person of Jesus to every one of these churches. And Jesus desires to reveal something to us today. Look at verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus write, These things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I love that. It's telling us Jesus has His pastors in the, in the palm of His right hand. He has us in that place of authority. He's there with us. He's moving in the hearts and the lives of the pastors. He's moving in the midst of the church. Jesus is right there with you, right there today, in the midst of where you are. He loves you. He cares for you. And He wants to lead you to be that overcomer that He's talking about in this passage. We also see the lampstands, they represent the churches. The pastors there are represented. The stars. And He also says, I know your works. Don't ever think that the Lord doesn't know your heart and know what is behind the things that you're doing. Knowing knows everything that you do. All your works. In five of the churches mentioned here, we see that the, the congregations there are addressed by Jesus because there's things that they're overlooking, things that they're neglecting. They're allowing the attacks of the enemy to take hold in that in that church. But the other two churches, it's interesting, contain only approval. And that's the kind of church God's called us to be. That's the kind of church He wants us to be, and that's the kind of church that I say for us, we want to be that kind of church. Amen? Next, he uses this phrase. To every church, he says, he who has an ear, let him hear. He wants us, church, to hear his voice. Jesus tells us that. My sheep, hear my my voice. He wants to speak to us, to talk to us. And He speaks to us in so many various ways. Through His Word, He is a primary way that God speaks directly to you. Have you ever read a verse of Scripture and it just came alive and you knew that Jesus was speaking that verse directly for you at that moment in that period of time? But He speaks to us through creation. Pastor Todd showed a great picture a while ago in the desert, and the beauty of it. God speaks to us through His creation. He speaks to us also through that still, small voice. He also speaks to us through, through uh, other Christians, brothers and sisters of Christ. They'll, God will speak to them and lay something on their heart and they'll, they'll come to us and share a word with us. God speaks to us. In church, He wants us to hear Him today. And I pray that's Your heart. Lord, we want to hear Your heart today. Let's continue. Let's look at the next, next church in verse 8. And to the angel of the church of Smyrna, write these things, says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. I know Your works, tribulation and poverty, but You are rich. And I know the blaspheme of those who say they are Jews and are not but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes shall not be hurt by the second death. Now there's different ways that we talked about that Satan tries to come. And he came in this first century church to these churches, and he will try the same thing in our church. It doesn't matter how small a church, how large a church, these things can take place in any group of believers if we're not careful. And God calls us to understand that the enemy is working generation to generation to appeal with these enticing things to try to trap and and hinder the church. So I want to look at just a few things today. First of all, the enemy will try to substitute activities for priorities. I'm going to say that again. The enemy will try to substitute activities for priorities. Look at verse uh, 2 of chapter 2 in Revelation. Verse 2 and 3. Jesus says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. Well, that sounds like something good. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now that's encouraging. That sounds great. That sounds like a a church that's doing what what they should be doing. But Jesus said, here's something else. Look at verse 4. He says, nevertheless, I hate... Or I have this against you that you have left your first love. They've left their first love. It's possible, church, for us to get so involved in the work and the ministry of what Jesus calls us to do that we can forget the priority of, of this life that we live. The priority is our relationship with Jesus Christ. Nothing is a greater priority than having that intimate, close relationship with Jesus. And church, if if you're here watching today, and maybe God's stirring your heart, maybe you've been involved in, in ministry activity, and you, you're realizing that you've left that first love. Today is the day that you can say, "Lord, just bring me back. Let my focus be on you, Lord. I, every ministry that I have must have a foundation of a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is my number one priority." And church, all of us can fall into that trap because we get we get uh, so caught up in in our in our ministry. And it's not a bad thing that we, we want to minister to people because there's so many people today that are hurting. So many people need the good news of Jesus Christ. So many people need us to reach out with food or reach out with benevolence. Or they just need, need love, the love of Jesus to be shown to them. We need to be people of ministry, but our ministry will never accomplish what God's called it to accomplish if we don't have Him as our foundation, the relationship with Him. He must be our priority. He must be our first love. And sadly today, there are churches around the world that still fall into this trap. You can be a small church and fall into it. You can be a large church. You can have multiple ministry, ministry to every age. You can have all these things and be so focused that you forget that priority. Well church, I'm telling you right now, our church is never going to forget the priority. Jesus is the priority of Summit Worship Center. He is the one that we look to, that we worship, that we long to grow more and more intimate with. It's all about Jesus and we will never lift up and exalt anything else except for Jesus. The second thing I want us to see is the church here tolerated immorality. Immorality. Look at verses 14, verse 20, and 21 of Revelation chapter 2. The Lord says, But I have a few things against you because you. Have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idol and to commit sexual immorality? Verse 20, nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Verse 21, and I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Verse 24 speaks of the depths of Satan. Now, both Balaam and Jezebel are figures that we see in the Old Testament. And what it means by bringing them into the context of the church in this period of time, in the first century, is the fact that the same spirit that they gave into, that they allowed to influence their lives, that they allowed that immorality to come in, that same spirit is operating in that church that Jesus is addressing. In church, nothing has changed. The enemy still tries to take down churches through immorality. We've experienced some of it right here, locally in in our valley, where immorality has been seen in the leadership even. And I'm not here to condemn, I'm just here to say, churches, we need to guard ourselves. Churches, we need to stand for what's right. Churches, we need to understand that Jesus calls us to sexual purity as His church. And that's how we succeed. And immorality is one of the the ways that the enemy tries to come in and destroy the church. And again, by the church, I'm talking about you and your life and what God wants to do through you. Church, we have to guard ourselves because the enemy is running rampant. There are not only churches today that say that sexual immorality according to Scripture is no longer true, but they're implementing it. They're accepting it. And not, even, not just churches, but entire denominations are turning away from what God's Word says and they're turning to the ideas of man. They're tickling the ears of this generation because they think that's what this generation wants to hear. And church, that destroys. That gives the devil a foothold. That opens the door. And so, the Lord is calling the church in the first century, and He's calling the church here in these last days to stand up against immorality. To, to call God's people to holiness and righteousness. And church, it doesn't mean that, the, that we're some kind of prudish people. It's saying that God knows best. It's saying that God in His wisdom has created us, He's designed us, and He knows how every aspect of our lives works best. And when it comes to our sexuality, the Lord says that it's between one man and one woman in the commitment of of marriage, in holy matrimony. And anything else outside of that is not God's best, and it gives place to the devil. It opens the door for destruction in the church. And we see that throughout history. And so today, when it's not popular to say that these things are wrong. I still trust the Word of God. I still speak the truth of God. And church, we're never going to be a church that's going to open the doors and say these things are okay now. We're going to love people who are caught up in that. We're going to tell them about Jesus. But we're not going to cross a line and say, well, this generation's different. Things are different now. And and it's okay to have all of these sexual immoral things in the church and in the leadership of the church. And that's what this is talking about. There were leaders that were leading the people thinking that sexual immorality was okay. We're not going to do that. We're going to take a stand. In fact, the meaning of the depths of Satan is to consciously pursue impurity and then say that we have been given permission by God to do that. That's, that's, a, that's what he's talking about, the depths of Satan. And that's exactly what some of the church is doing today. They're saying, well, God's Word doesn't really mean it that way. God created people a certain way. No, He created us male and female. That's what the Word says. And if someone's caught up in an identity crisis, we love them. We don't come against them and persecute them. But we tell them, God has a better way. God will give you understanding. God will give you freedom. God will give you a, a relationship that is just wonderful and fulfilling. Amen. The third thing I want us to see today. Believing that material success means that you are blessed by God. Look at chapter 3 of Revelation, verse 17. Because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have, have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Now look at the contrast between the church of Laodicea and the church here in Revelation chapter 2 verse 9. Jesus says, "I know your works, your tribulation, your poverty, but you are rich." <laughs> so Jesus tells a church that was very successful, that monetarily they were had more than enough, they were rich, and he says, "No, you're blind and you're naked, you're poor." <laughs> And then the church that had nothing, and the word poverty there in the original language does mean that they had nothing. They thought, the one church thought they were rich, and yet they were poor. The other church was going through tribulation, and they had nothing, but Jesus told them, you are rich. I want you to think about that for a minute. Does it mean that every church that has funds, that seems successful, needs to repent that something's wrong? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that every church that is struggling financially is, is rich? That they're doing everything right? No. What Jesus is addressing here is deception. How the enemy will deceive us into thinking that just because a church is financially successful, wow, they're doing everything right. Wow, they've got the blessing of God. Or he'll deceive us thinking a church that is struggling, that is poor, well, God's blessing just isn't upon them. Something's got to be wrong. What is it going on in that church that's wrong? and so it's deception and again church if a church is poor doesn't mean necessarily that they're doing everything right and just because a church is wealthy doesn't mean they're not doing everything right jesus is addressing the deception and we need to understand you know in the day that we live in there are churches that are just like the church he read that we just read about that said You're poor. You're living in poverty. But Jesus says, you are rich. It reminds me of some of the churches that I've seen in Africa. And a friend that went to Bible school with me, he's a missionary, has been for years and years and years now to Africa. And he goes around. His name's Bill. And he goes around and he helps these churches that don't have funds to to build a sanctuary or even a lean-to over their head. But yet... There are people in those churches that will walk for miles and miles in the heat just to come together with their brothers and their sisters in Christ. And when they come together, they'll preach the Word. And they'll begin to worship the Lord. And they'll be dancing and celebrating. And though they don't have a building, they don't have any air conditioning, they don't have a floor, they don't have anything yet that we would say materially. But Jesus is still saying, that church is rich. They're rich in joy. They're rich in happiness. They're rich in the love of God. They're rich in the fellowship of God. They are rich in Him. In church, it doesn't matter how large your auditorium is or how small your group is at home. It doesn't matter what the bottom line is. Are you rich in Jesus? Are you rich in His presence? Are you rich in His joy? Are you rich in His happiness? Are you rich in the fellowship of the believers of God? Are you rich in the eternal things of God for your life. I love that. And I I don't have a problem with a church being nice. I don't have a problem with a church being large. But I want that church to be rich in Jesus. They've got to be rich in Him. The fourth thing I want us to look at. How the enemy works. We can replace religious systems in the church or legalism that hinders God's grace and His glory from flowing. Twice, Jesus mentions in these passages the Nicolaitans. In verse 6 and verse 15 of Revelation 2, he says, But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans which I also hate. That's strong, church. Jesus is telling them He hates the Nicolaitans and they hated them too. Now, Nicolaitans is based on two Greek words. It's based on Nicholas or Nikos and Laos. Nikos and Laos. And Nikos has to do with conquering or dominate. It has to do with conquering and dominating. And laos is the word for people. It's where we get the word laity. And so it's showing there a a contrast that, that there's the Nicolaitans would be equivalent to the pastor or to the leadership, those who are on the platform. And the laity would be those that that sit in the congregation. And the nicolaitans were saying that they're the ones that really matter. It's it's the pastor, it's the church board, it's the elders, it's it's the Sunday school teachers, it's the worship team, it's it's those that really minister to the people. Though they're up here and everybody else are peons. And God hates that. And they were Commended actually because they hated that too in the one church. And what I want us to see is the fact that, church, your ministry, your ministry is just as important as my ministry or the worship teams or a Sunday school teacher. In fact, I think about uh, Brother Bruce, he spends hours a day. Banging on truck parts and in grease, and he does a great job. He's a great mechanic. And some would have a tendency to say, well, his job doesn't really matter. He's not really ministering. And I know that to be totally false. I know that he does his very best to be the light and to be the salt in that situation. And I'll be the first to say that His ministry right there where He works is just as important as my ministry or anyone else's ministry. And we need to understand where the Lord has us. He hasn't called everyone to be a pastor or a teacher or evangelist or a worship team member. But He has called all of us to be ministers. And your ministry is important. Your ministry going forth, loving your next door neighbor. Lord take 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 your next door neighbor uh, something just bake them a, a, a cake or something or a pie. recently one of our members at the church here just brought us a pie and, and what a, what a blessing that was. go to next door and be the light be the salt or when, when you're working it doesn't matter where you're working church you're a minister your job there for the Lord is important. We, we give glory and honor to Him because we, we work diligently. We work honestly. We work, as the Bible calls us to work, as unto the Lord. We do our job just as if we were working for Jesus. And when we do that, and we're the light, and we're the salt, and we minister to people, we tell them about Jesus. We tell them what God's done. Our ministry is important. So, I want you to, to understand the difference in what, what Jesus is addressing here by the Nicolaitans. Those that wanted to conquer and those that wanted to, nom, to dominate. In church, we, we also, there are those pastors that feel like, well, I'm the pastor and I'm somebody. God called me to be a pastor and he didn't call you. That's wrong. But at the same time, church, we need to understand. There are people that are the laity in the church that do more than support with their money. They do more than than just come and listen. There are genuine ministers for Jesus and impacting the city powerfully for the Lord. Church, that's what God's called us to do. He's called you to be a minister for Him. Never think that you're anything less than anyone else in the call that God has for their lives. And some people actually take this and and they think, well, as long as I come to church and listen and grow, as long as I give my tithe and my offering, then everything's good. That's all Jesus is requiring of me. No. No. He's called you to be a minister. To impact our community to impact our world. Thank you Lord. Twice the Lord uses the phrase the synagogue of Satan. In Revelation chapter 2 verse 9 and chapter 3 verse 9. And the synagogue of Satan describes taking religious systems of the Old Testament law and bringing them into the air of the era of grace. Now we're to obey all Scripture, but we need to understand man has a tendency to take God's Word and to add to it. He, he, or to, to take things that maybe were culturally and to bring them and say, well, this is how the church is supposed to be. In fact, I've encountered people in my life that do it this way. They say, "Well, I believe this about the Bible and this is the Bi- we're the right church and we're the right way. We know everything that's right. So if you're not a member of our church, then you're wrong. Your system's wrong." In fact, I've I've experienced that persecution from various denominations through the years. Why? Because I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today and forever. I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit still fills God's people and empowers them and that the gifts of the Spirit are for today. I believe in miracles and signs and wonders. I just believe I believe all of what God's Word says. I don't believe that it all ended. And because of that, there are those preachers and those churches, those denominations that won't have anything to do with me or my denomination. And church, that's what I'm talking about. That brings a hindrance into the body of Christ. They're persecuting me in this instance for, because, because I believe more of God's Word than they do think about that now I love them and and there's been times I've reached out to them and I've tried to have fellowship with them and I'm, I'm thankful that our pastors here in the valley we have a pastor's prayer meeting every week and when I can attend I love to attend I love to be there and it's various denominations and one thing that we're doing we know that we all don't agree on every scripture but on the main points the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ we are all dead solid on and we preach Jesus Christ is Lord of all that he's the son of the living God that he lived a pure sinless life that he died for our sins that he rose again on the third day that he ascended into heaven to the right hand of God We love Him. We thank God for all the things He's doing. And and we, we come along together and we rejoice in those things. But we don't push each other away because our denomination may not see every word of Scripture just like the other denominations. And when we do that, when we have that love, Jesus says it will be a witness to the world it will be a witness to the world that Jesus is the Son of the living God. Now I'm not talking about church- churches that are that are doing things that are totally anti-scriptural. But I'm talking about churches that are genuine, that love Jesus. They may see th- things just a little differently than we do. We are to love them and know that they are part of the, the family of God. Now finally, I want us to look at What Jesus says are the solutions to prevent the enemy from destroying the church or hindering the church. Every letter begins with a picture of Jesus. (laughs) Another revelation of who He is. How great and wonderful He is. And then it ends with, He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the first thing, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. He's got to be our priority. We've got to cultivate that relationship with Him. We've got to spend time with Him. One of the wonderful things during this time when we've had the quarantine is I've heard testimony after testimony of people that have slowed down and they've gotten back into the Word in a greater way than ever before. And God's giving them fresh revelation and understanding. He's taking them deeper into the meat of the Word. And, and they're they're just excited about it. And they're sharing it. And I will just love that. And church, we have to have that priority. And also to listen to the Spirit. God speaks to us during these times. He will enable us to navigate through the difficulties that we face, through all the things that may be uncomfortable. It says there will be times of difficulty and times of tribulation. The second thing I want us to see is that Jesus gives them directions to repent. Everybody say repent. If you're at home, say repent. If you're in your car, say repent. Wherever you are, say repent. Repentance is not a dirty word. Repentance is a wonderful word. It's a word that should be preached. It's a word that should go forth from the pulpits because God calls us to repentance. He called these churches to repentance. He's calling the church of Jesus Christ to repentance today around the world. We must repent and get things right. And repentance is not just feeling sorry for messing up. Repentance is making a total change. It's when you're going one direction and you do an about face and you put into action your life and you say, I'm going to go this direction. I'm going to go this direction. I'm going to pursue Jesus with all my heart. I'm going to pursue His Word. I'm going to live according to His Word with the best of my ability. Church, repentance needs to be preached because there's sin in the camp. We've got to get the sin out of the camp. Then we can go forward and be the overcomers and accomplish all that God's called us to in these last days. It's interesting. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 10, It says, you will have tribulation ten days. (laughs) We know that Smyrna had adversity. We know that they responded to it in a great way. In church, we need to understand that we need to treat difficulty as a friend and a refining force in our lives. You say, oh great. We don't like to think about tribulation. There are more people being martyred today for their faith in Jesus Christ than throughout history. Jesus told us that we're going to have tribulation, but He said, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Yes, there's going to be things that we face, things that will be uncomfortable, things just like this virus. They continue to take place in the world we live because we live in a fallen world. Until Jesus returns, we're going to struggle facing these things. But He tells us to face them just like the church in Smyrna did. That God's going to refine us. Right now, we don't like the quarantine, but God is using it to refine His church. God's using it, and we need to embrace it. What is God wanting to teach me during this time of trial? What is He wanting to do in my life to... Caused me to grow and mature in the things of Him. The The phrase there, ten days, is an interesting phrase. In this period of time, it, it, it was referring to not a specific time period, but as time just seemed to go on and on and on. And many of us can relate to that right now with the quarantine. It seems like it's just going on and on and on. And around the country, there are people that are getting out and beginning to protest. They're tired of it. But there's another thing I want us to see in that phrase that was commonly used, is that it means that it's limited. That there is an end coming. And until the end comes, that the church is to take that stance that this is a refining fire of God, that God wants to work in my life, that I can be pure and refined before Him. And I say hallelujah to that. Hallelujah to that. A couple of years ago, I shared the dream that I had that God was going to bring revival, and I I. I I saw an earthquake and a shaking of the churches. And, 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 I, and after the, the shaking of the valley, I, I, I felt like the Lord was saying, that's when you're going to see churches begin to explode. You're going to see my grace, my love, my presence being poured out in these churches. And there's going to be a revival coming. And churches, as we've experienced the earthquake, And now we're experiencing this quarantine from this virus. I think all of these things are shaking us. And I think these things are going to continue to happen. It's going to shake us until we're shaken to the point that we recognize there is a God that loves us. There's a God that is in control that we're not in control. And the Word that He's given us is how we are to live our lives. And when that point comes where people say, I need Jesus. I need to live for Him. I need to know the Word of God. I need to apply it in my heart and in my life. When that shaking comes to our valley then we're going to see the churches begin to explode and we're going to see the grace of God poured out and we're going to see revival. Can you say amen to that? And so that's how we should look at at the refiner's fire at this time of tribulation. It's all in God shaking people up to the point that they'll say, yes, Lord, I need You. So finally, the Lord says... When adversity comes, we are to keep on keeping on. We're to keep our eyes on Him. Keep listening to the Spirit. We're to have a heart of repentance. And to keep on going through until victory comes. In other words, we're to take a stance, church, that we're, we're taking a stance, I'm expecting victory. Victory. <laughs> The ten days is a limited amount of time. There is an end. It's coming to an end. But if another tribulation comes, then I take the stance. God's shaking things up. He's refining the church, and He's reaching out and shaking up hearts so that they'll come and say yes to Him. So church, we just get ready. (laughs) And we say, Lord, bring it on. Let the refining fire come to the church. Let that refining fire and that shakening come to the valley, Lord, that revival from God can come. And so, church, I want you to join me today and just say, Lord, bring it on. Lord, bring it on. And refine me, Lord. Purify my heart. Purify my life, Lord. Help me to keep my eyes on You. Help me to pursue You with all that I am. Lord, help me to hear the voice of the Spirit, Lord. Help me, Lord, to stand strong. Help me, Lord, in these times. I want you to join me now and as the worship team comes, we're going to pray. It's interesting. I received a a Facebook message from a pastor that's a friend of mine in Texas. He's also my brother-in-law. And it was interesting, he was preaching along some of the same lines that the Lord laid on my heart about the church needing to be refined and that we're going through the, that fire and that God has called us to repentance. It's interesting that Dr. Don spoke something the other day to me also in the lines of repentance. He said, said that the, the prophetic word coming forth to the church today was that it's time for the church to repent. And I want to ask you today, is there any area of your life where you need to say, yes, Lord, you need to acknowledge, Lord, this area of my life isn't lining up with Your Word. Or maybe you need to acknowledge today that your life as a whole isn't lining up with God's Word because you've never invited Him in. Will you open your heart to the Lord today? Will You allow Him begin to work and to have His way? If that's You today, I want You to pray with me. Father, I just thank You for everyone that's tuning in today. Lord, I thank You for those that are right here in the auditorium. And Lord, help us to come in these latter days, in these times. Lord, help us to recognize the hindrances of the enemy for each one of us as the church of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us not be deceived. But Lord, help us to understand that You have a ministry for us and that Lord, You are there with us. You will guide us. You will direct us. And Lord, if we haven't accepted You today, Lord, right now I pray that they would open their heart and say, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. I confess You as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins. And Lord, I repent. I turn from those things. Lord, I release them to You. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And Lord, if if there's anything that we need to repent about. Maybe we've walked with You for many years. Maybe we've been on staff at a church. Maybe we've, Lord, been a Sunday school teacher. Lord, we've drifted away and there's an area in our life that we acknowledge, Lord, this isn't how You've called me to live. So I'm going to repent. I'm going to give it to You today. Lord, I turn from it. Lord, haul it away. Remove it from my life. And restore that area of my life to be what You want it to be. Lord, I just bless Your people today. I bless them in the name of Jesus. I pray for protection from this virus, for every person watching, every home. Lord, I speak blessing upon them in the name of Jesus. That you just keep your hand of blessing upon them during this difficult time. And Lord, we just ask these things in your precious and wonderful name, the name of Jesus. Amen. Church.